we'd like to welcome you to the virtual kitchen table. We are Haley from Taking a Kinder Path, Ashley from Ashley as Mama and Storytime Shelves, and myself, Erin, from Everlearning. We're gathering to have conversations about family life and home education, most specifically unschooling, which is sometimes known as self-directed education, or as I often refer to it, whole life learning. We'll be sharing experiences and ideas, learning as we go. We hope you'll pull a chair up to the table and join us. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Erin. Hello. Nice to see you guys again. You too. So I guess today are thinking about talking about um, the idea of how much novelty kids need to have in their lives. And I say thinking about it because it's kind of a last minute um, idea and we managed to find time together. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I think um, the more that I think about it, I think it might actually be something that all parents can relate to, no matter whether they're home educating or not. I feel like it's something that people have in their minds if they are, if they have kids and they're kind of doing life with, with their children. So, um, okay. So I think the reason that this idea first popped into my mind, um, well, I think it's something I think about kind of every day, to be honest, but I actually have a memory of the first time that it popped up and it was way back at the beginning um when my first son was born and my husband had a few days off work I think like six days or something like that not a lot and of course those first few days are you know you've just had a baby you have people dropping off presents it's kind of full um and then he went to work and I, can rem- I, I even remember where we were sitting and I, I was kind of looking at my one week old son and I was kind of like, okay, here we are <laughs> like now what? And, you know, I had worked with kids. I had, first of all, I had taken care of a lot of kids like babysitting through my, my teen years. And um, I had worked with children, but I think the work I did with kids always had like some structure to it and a specific time. And I think even when you're, doing childcare for somebody you're you're in somebody else's home potentially or you're kind of going along with their schedule and this was the first time that I realized that I was like with a child and I had well not only full um agency and freedom with how to spend the day but full responsibility as far as I don't know kind of building those days over time so of course a one week old isn't looking for a ton of (laughs) of excitement but even at that age, I was just kind of trying to think through like, hmm, you know, through this first year, kind of this first year of, of being a, a baby or of infancy, what, like, what does that mean? Like, how much do we want to be outside? How much do we want to be inside? How much should we be out seeing other people versus not? And just kind of gauging his personality as well and kind of his needs um, in combination with my own. Um, but yeah, I just, and a lot of it, I guess, was this idea of um, things not being too stale. So introducing to enough stimulation to kind of have an interesting life, but not so much that, uh, you know, that it was overloading. And as he got a little bit older, and not even very much older, I'd say even by the time he was five or six months, I could see that he really enjoyed and 
and really gained a lot from being with people. So he loved crowds. He loved interacting with new people, seeing new faces. And he was, you know, I could see, I could, I think I could see extroversion pretty early on, but he was also quite, I would say sensory defensive. And that became clearer too. So, you know, as he kind of got into the toddler years and what I guess you would call the preschool years, it was this balance between um, meeting his social needs. And also I would say, you know, for using this word novelty, the need for, yeah, that need for newness and um, new ideas and a degree of excitement and adventure. But then also uh, his system would get overloaded really quickly as well. So it was a lot of kind of tweaking, seeing what rhythm kind of worked for both of us. And then of course, as other kids came along, (laughs) you're kind of figuring that all in um, as well. So yeah, so over the years, I mean, I've I've thought about it in different contexts. Um, I've thought about it as far as like money and affordability, like how much, uh, I guess, especially when you're home educating, what's considered like a rich childhood, right? Like not rich money wise, but rich experience wise. And how much money does that require or not? How much time at home versus time away? Um, Or even the idea of strewing, right? How many new things to kind of introduce within the house? So, I honestly don't think a day has probably gone by in the entire time that I've been a parent. I don't obsess about it, but I definitely think about it. I think about it if I think about the day um, coming and I sometimes will reflect back and just think, Hmm, you know, you know, was there enough kind of newness? Were, Were there enough things to kind of be stimulating to think about and to bring joy to your life, right? Like, were there enough things that felt exciting? And then other times I'm like, whoa, that's been a lot, <laughs> you know, maybe that was a little bit too much. So, um, yeah, I would just be curious. I mean, I would be curious to hear your thoughts in general. I would love to hear, and maybe you don't remember, but if either of you remember kind of your, that first period of time as a new parent with a child and like, how do you spend your time? Um, I would love to hear that if that resonates at all. It's, yeah, it's so interesting, Erin, because when we had a brief exchange about this earlier, um, and, and at that point you were talking about your children, but you didn't necessarily mention babyhood. But it, one of the first things I thought about was babies when you were talking about novelty, because, you know, when babies are born, you know, everything is new, isn't it, to a, to a degree. They're, they're, and that the whole thing about how our brains develop so many more connections in those first couple of years of life than they ever do it's kind of a really not that we ever stop growing connections but it's so intense in those first couple of years and I was thinking about the the overstimulated babies and the idea that you know sometimes babies will just um, shut down and go to sleep or they'll turn away from you and they'll um, you know there are there are times aren't they when you if you're really um you know observing a baby sometimes in restaurants and things sometimes you can you can see that that somebody's trying to entertain a baby and they're just the baby's just not looking and it's almost like they've they've got to this point of of kind of can't take anything else in so they're just gazing off into the distance kind of in a you know in a semi sort of shutdown state but they're just you know their brain is just had too much and that was the first thing that that I thought of when you said about this whole thing about how much novelty because 
another thing as well when I was thinking about that it made me think about um discussion I had with a friend about um when you when your children are small and and how how much should you talk to them about um you know big topics like death and sex and and you know sometimes it's really hard to gauge how much you know kids ask you a question and how much information should you give and I remember a friend really in really early days saying to me it will be fine as long as you go slowly with your kids they will let you know when they've had enough <laughs> and it'll be like right okay I don't you know they don't won't necessarily say I don't want to know any more, mum but mine have actually said that to me <laughs> before in the past when we've been talking about those subjects but they'll yeah they'll just get to a point where they wander off or they start getting distracted and I thought that's really interesting how we seem to have this inbuilt capacity to yeah kind of um drift off when we can't take any more yeah it makes me think listening to both of you actually about how it's an interesting position you find yourself in as a first-time mom because it's maybe the first time you've had that much freedom in your daily schedule like ever <laughs> like at first I was thinking well maybe when we were really young children we had that freedom but we still had our um, caregivers guiding us so there would have still been someone like helping us decide how to spend our time and then like for, for me I went to school so I had my day planned out um, and then yeah into work so I had work to fill time and then all of a sudden you're on maternity leave with your first baby and I look I really liked it I really liked that opportunity to slow down and um, yeah, just be at home with my baby. Um, but I had to, I remember having to really think about how do I want to spend my days? And so it, and it, yeah, I don't think, I don't know if I thought about it too much then, but it's easy to reflect on. And, and I guess I went through a bit of a process to figure out not only how did I want to spend my time during that maternity leave, which was a full year here, um, but then what you guys are talking about, like what works for what worked for my baby, too, because um, we're all different and we all have different needs. But I think what you're saying, Haley, um, yeah, once if we're so, like children are so good at listening to themselves and um, kind of a lot of in a lot of ways know what they need and when something's too much. And we do, too. But I mean, if you go decades <laughs> with kind of always having some type of structure whether it's school or work in place that was my experience as a, a first-time mom being on maternity leave and just being like so what do I do and I still find I find it now a few years into homeschooling um I get into moments where I like crave structure or I need structure like almost it feels like too much freedom because it's like, well, we could go do that, but we don't have to do that. And I'm almost like, somebody tell me. And maybe that's why a lot of us like hearing so much about other homeschool families. Well, what does it look like for you? How do you decide how to spend your time? Because in a lot of ways, it's so much, it's so much freedom. So yeah, it's interesting to think about what would work best for everyone and how it changes too. And there is there is something about that, about there being more creativity when you've got parameters sometimes if you've got a limited amount of choices then sometimes we can be a bit more creative with those can't we um I think the creative process that that's kind of talked about sometimes isn't it and that can be incredibly 
overwhelming if you have yeah the whole world at your fingertips sometimes because where do you mm-hmm. where do you start <laughs> I think that that's such a yeah that can be such an overwhelming um place to be in can't it if you if you think that that um yeah that you could do anything then mm-hmm. and, and I guess that's that's um and and it's hard because when we've got when we're um home educating our children they you know to some degree don't know what everything is but you know that obviously depends on their age and depends on their experiences and whatever but that's so much our um such an important part of our role is about helping them to introducing them to things that they may not have come across before and things that they may not have um, even considered um, which you know we talk about so often don't we which you mentioned there in the whole concept of strewing um, which is such you know such an important part of being a, a home educating unschooling parent yeah and I think Haley, that you know that idea of sometimes um, trying to think how you put it, but it was the relationship between creativity and um, sometimes maybe things feeling almost too wide open. And I mean, I've had that experience when I've had either a creative thing that I want to do, like um, a piece of writing, or even just organizing something at home, or you know, and it feels very rare at my house, but occasionally I would get a day where there was nobody home very occasionally. And I've talked to a lot of parents who've said this, they almost don't know where to start. Right. It's kind of like, okay, so do I get work done? Do I pursue something creatively? Do I get some sleep? <laughs> do I, you know, it's almost like a walking in circles. Like, Oh my gosh, I have this whole house to myself because as much as you're like, you're right, Ashley, it's a time it's a different kind of freedom we've ever experienced, but then also kind of not <laughs> because, you know, you, you're connected to, to people and you have that responsibility over them. So it's like two things at once kind of. And I think for me, if I'm looking at trying to do something creative, like I want to do it, but I also would actually like to get it done. It's helpful to give myself some parameters sometimes and say, okay, this is, you know, this is a time of the week that would be good for me to do this. Or um, even kind of finding an accountability partner and a family member by saying, hey, can you kind of remind me that I would like to get this done on this particular day or, or whatever. So sometimes I think, I'd never thought about that, Haley, but you're, you're right. I think it can be easier to be creative within some degree of parameters, even if those are self um, I guess self-imposed is maybe the word. I'm, I'm not too sure. But um, so, yeah, I think when I think about this novelty idea, it's interesting to look at for all ages. Like what, how much newness do any of us need to keep stimulated and, and learning? And it's funny too, you can't, or at least I have found I can't, you can't stockpile it. Like I can remember, um, I think we, we've, We've talked about this in some conversation before, but um, I took my kids and my mother-in-law came with us on a fairly adventurous, I think it was like about two and a half weeks. And we went to the East coast of, of Canada. We're in central Canada. And so we did it mostly by rail. So we did it by train and we kind of stop and stay in that particular 
province or city or area. And Prince Edward Island, of course, we had to do ferry. And, you know, so it was quite an adventurous time. And I can remember thinking about like halfway through the trip, you know, because it had been a lot to plan, like a trip like a trip like that with young kids, you know, and an older woman, it, it was a lot to plan and it was super fun. Like I don't regret it at all. But I remember thinking about halfway through, oh wow, this is like a year's worth of field trips. <laughs> I just remember thinking, because I had really met my threshold, like I'd been planning for months you know, before my kids even set foot on the train. Um, and I thought, oh, we've done ferry rides, we've done we've done trains, we've done hotels, we've done country inns, we've done deep sea fishing, like all these things. And so in my mind on the way home, I was ready to rest, right? And so we got home and it was kind of like mid-July. And, you know, they got an offer to go to a, a pro baseball game and then somebody else invited us camping and they were all game to go to these things. And I'm thinking, no, like, <laughs> like I've, we've just, we've done all this. We've met our, our quota, but it's funny how, what am I saying? You, you can't stockpile it. It doesn't mean like we've done the same number of things that we would have done in maybe six months. So that's it. It was, it was fascinating to me to see how a couple of my kids did want to rest, but a couple were like, oh yeah, I'm unpacked. I'll go to the baseball game. <laughs> and so just, yeah, just kind of gauging that for each individual too. And it is such a personal thing, isn't it? I think there are, um, you know, in terms of different personalities, there are some people that crave that newness and there are some people that are very um, detail orientated and they notice lots of things in their environment and they pick up novelty really easily. And then there are other people, uh, I think I'm a bit like this. I live a lot in my head. So I may not notice all the things that are around me all the time. Um, and and when when I do get a jolt, like, um, yeah, something something happens that that brings me out of my head and and um, introduces that bit of novelty that I actually notice, then that's um, you know, that can that can be a good thing. I mean, sometimes it can be a bad thing. It might be that I've that I've tripped over or oh, I've mentioned that before on this podcast, haven't I? <laughs> About being clumsy but that whole thing of uh, of um <laughs> yeah it being really personal and I think it's like risk taking as well there are some people who some of us who are much more willing to um to take risks and do more uh, more dangerous sports I guess those kinds of things that that others would just think there's no way I'm I'm jumping out of an airplane or I'm you know um gonna climb up that really high wall and um so I think that's really interesting as well not that novelty has to be risky but I think that that there are um you know sometimes it is and that's interesting how as different people we've got more tendency towards or away from those things and I think um one of you said as well about that being um the same in in one person you know, you can be like that sometimes. You can be more up for risk and adventure like you were, Erin, at the beginning of your trip. But then once you've had your fill for a little while, you need that kind of period of rest and a period of, of laying down all the experience that you've had and digesting it and 
um, that you know we talk we've talked about that before definitely on this podcast about how learning sometimes happens in the quiet moments when we don't think anything's happening that's when things are getting um, consolidated into our kind of long-term memory where we're really really learning those things and 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 they become a part of us so it's that's yeah funny how things go in waves even you know even the same person yeah and I think it makes me realize um like this is a lot of I mean it's all wonderful stuff but it's a lot of um how do I put this like it's a it can be a lot of work for the home educating parent often the mom but not always um to figure all of it out and plan it all out not just for yourself but for everyone for everyone um you know while you're busy still doing things that current day right and trying to figure out how much is too much for me um and yeah I mean I guess there's there's just no right or wrong way of going about it it's just kind of I guess acknowledging that it can be challenging at times to figure out what's enough um, what might be enough, how someone might be feeling, because um, even though we all have our unique personalities from day to day or week to week, um, we might need more excitement or more rest. Um, and, and I guess that's for people with personalities that are, you know, easygoing, go with the flow, typically, um, that might be a bit easier. Um, whereas there's some people who, um, like I'm thinking, Aaron, when you were on that trip with your family, um, you'd have some things planned, um, but then unpredictable things happen, or maybe someone has a headache or something, and you have to change your plan. And some people are really good, and some kids are really fine with with plans changing at the end. And for some people, that's really really hard. So I, I guess I'm just speaking to um, it's a lot of it can be a lot of work, um, and not to say you know, of course, we choose that that type of work, and we want to do it, but maybe it's just not talked about as much. Um, and then the other thing in regards to that is kind of like, learning or remembering or having time to communicate this stuff with your partner, or with anyone. Um, and I know I even talk about it with my kids. Um, and we're kind of learning how to do that as we continue to go, like, how what's the best way for us to plan how to spend our day together, our week together, a trip together. Like we're planning a, tr a little family vacation for next month. And we haven't really actually had the conversation too much right now. Um, but of course, we'll, we'll start talking more and more about what everybody hopes the trip will entail. But being the parents, we have to keep in mind that we won't actually know what it will look like too much until we're there. We can just plan as best as we can. Yeah. I think yeah, that whole um, trial and error is so much a part of, of home educating, isn't it? It's that as we're, le we're learning as we go, just like our kids are learning. And I think one of the beauties of unschooling for me is, um, you know, the, how much we get to know each other, the amount of time that we spend together and the more experience and the deeper our relationships get, the more, I guess, we can, we're building up that, that knowledge of, and we're building up the, um, I guess, yeah, we're getting to know the signs when our kids are yeah, more or less overwhelmed, when they're needing more space, when they're needing more excitement, those kinds of things. We learn that over time, don't we? And it is, like you say, Ashley, very overwhelming at the beginning. Um, 
definitely it can be and it is that there is so much novelty in that for for most of us not all of us but I know for me I've said the word so many times it's like a whole new world opened up that I didn't know existed (laughs) because I didn't even know home education was a thing that you know this was like um 14 years ago or 13 years ago and and you know home education was not on my radar at all and then it was and it was this whole new world that was opening up so there was so much novelty so much for my brain to take in um but I guess it's about recognizing that that we need to pace ourselves we don't have to do everything all at once we don't need to know everything all at once we will never know everything you know we we need to you know keep breathing (laughs) keep remembering that we're learning just as much as our kids and you know and and try and embrace that opportunity for enjoyment and for getting to know each other and um and recognizing that through experience and through things that go well and through things that don't go well we'll you know we'll build up that bank of knowledge and our children will change and then we'll build up knowledge again (laughs) It's kind of a continual process of of learning, isn't it? Yeah, but if I can just quickly say, it makes me think, Haley, how when they're really little, that slowing down and observing them to watch for those signs. And I think they really pick up on that. They notice them when we do get it right, because we definitely don't all the time. And when we do get it right, and we're really paying attention, trying to get to know them when they're little, and they can't yet just tell us, um, it builds that trust. Um, and that over year after year, over you know, over quite a bit of time, that trust slowly builds that this is my safe person, this person gets me. And then once they get older, and it'd be different age for di- different kids, and they can start more clearly communicating with us, just telling us what's too much, what's not enough. Um, but that that trust builds over time, because it's, it feels like a huge responsibility when they're really little to figure out how much to give them. And then you have to really pay attention. Am I getting it right? So it can be a lot. But yeah, the times that you do get it right, that trust is building too. And and we learn so much when we get it wrong as well. I love what you said about safety, Ashley, because novelty is I think really important for learning and and it does you know it jolts us gives us like sparks curiosity it wakes us up sometimes um makes us pay more attention but I think that safety is so important for learning as well isn't it that's we need a balance between that new and exciting but we need the the we need peace and comfort and um feeling safe because if we're not feeling safe then we're probably in some in some level of survival um you know with where our brain has gone into kind of survival mode and when it does that we don't have as much space in order to 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 learn we don't have as much space to take in information and to process it and I think so that that whole safety it is a balance I guess and and the balance is different for everyone and the balance is different on different days depending on how much um, energy we've got how much stress we're under how you know all different things that are happening Um, but we did yeah it, it feels like we need that balance between the comfort and security but also the newness and excitement Haley, that reminds me of something. I think you had said something similar. We we had an episode where we talked about flow. And I think it was, I think it was that one where we talked about that same idea of um, kids needing a safe place 
to really get into flow, to really let their brains kind of expand and deepen that way and kind of get into that flow state. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's that, that same idea, I think, of having that safety, that feeling, um, yes, you want to have room to move, but anchored enough to have the freedom to do that, ironically, right? It's kind of an interesting, it, it makes me think too about what works well, um, some things, you know, have changed over the years, but what works well, I think for us, so we've talked, I've talked about camping in the past. I think what I like about camping, at least kind of the way we've come to do it is it's not highly, we have kind of like a loose idea of a few things we'd like to do, but the novelty really isn't just being somewhere a little bit different. It doesn't even have to be like hours away or anything like that. It's just being in a slightly different environment. Um, it might even be an environment that we've been in before. In fact, sometimes that can increase the interest because it's like you're, um, oh, I guess, again, it depends on personalities. So my one son and I tend to be very, um, I don't know if nostalgic is the word, but we, we find it very interesting to go to some of the same places and see the changes from season to season or year to year. And like to remember that, like our favorite campsite um, looks totally different after a huge windstorm. I mean, it's kind of sad at the same time, but it's interesting to us. And so that gives us kind of, it's not a, it doesn't look or sound like a highly exciting thing to do, but it's like finding those pieces of um, interest, even in some familiar places. But um, I guess back to what I was saying about just a different environment itself sometimes can be, um, can provide some, new interests and we don't even have to I think it's like planning enough in case you need some things to fall back on but still keeping really wide open to the weather to um you know different things that that could come up so it's kind of like um maybe a bit like what we were talking about with creativity it's like there's a lot of freedom but there's a little bit of a a a parameter there which with something like camping is your where you are that's where you are and you can find some things to do to do within that um but even that you know that didn't always work for us when the kids were really little from a sensory perspective there were that didn't always work especially for one of my kids so it's it changes a lot over the years too what uh yeah and i think even that trip i was talking about where we went um down east there was a lot of novelty to it but I didn't plan in a lot of extra novelty so it was kind of like the journey itself I knew was going to be pretty stimulating and then we found I mean we it was that thing where I kind of had the short list and we would find things to do when we were various places but it wasn't like um there was already so much to think about as far as making sure we were at the ferry on time and on a train on time that even for myself, I couldn't add a lot of extra in. It was kind of like, this is the framework. And then we have this backup list of interesting things we might do when, when we're there. So I guess that's just back to your point, Ashley, about it. It can be really a lot of thinking. I think that's such an important thing to remember though, that novelty doesn't have to be massive. (laughs) You don't have to change everything. It, you know, novelty can be having um, something different to eat, something that you haven't had before. Going to a different supermarket 
driving a different way to somewhere that you always go to um you know you, you don't have to change everything I think that's sometimes um I think you you said Erin something about um feeling the need maybe to compensate for other experiences that your children might not be getting and and obviously that's a, a recurrent theme isn't it that we want to do the best for our children we want to make sure that they're getting as many experiences as they can but there is something about choices whatever choice you make you're going to miss out potentially on something aren't you you know my children are missing out on not living in Canada <laughs> your children are missing out on not living in the UK it's it, it, it's it's hard isn't it because we we want to give our children as many experiences as we can as we can but then on the other hand we want to build up the um we want to build up their internal resources and their resilience and fill them up with lots of love and security that means that they can they can um cope with novelty in the rest of their life which they're you know they're bound to get novelty because that's what happens things come along and and um you know pandemics come along that you weren't expecting and uh, you know um weather comes along and you think things are going to go one way and then nature has a different idea that you know there is going to be novelty I guess and so I think it is yeah it's really important to remember that we don't have to yeah we we we're not responsible for for yeah we're not responsible for everything <laughs> um you know there will be lots of ways that novelty are in, novelty is introduced to our children without us feeling that we have to be the one to provide it all the time and that we can provide it in very small ways and that will that can set off big sparks mm, I love all of that, <laughs> and it, it reminds me actually, Ashley. Do you remember we had a conversation on Clubhouse about strewing? And I think we talked about. Um, oh, I remember I made notes on it, but I think I was talking about keeping in mind. Um, so it was kind of like three things: like what do I bring into the day with my kids? What do they naturally uh, direct themselves or come up with themselves? And then that third one was like, what does life throw our way and it was kind of that thing exactly Haley like the weather a pandemic um but even I guess in a more defined sense you know does a relative stop by do they get invited to a birthday party um those are life things that don't really require direction I mean they require some organization but they're not directed by me or by the kids just things that come up um and I think too to your point that, I mean, wherever we are, we're not somewhere else or whatever we're doing, we're not doing something else. And I think about that, you know, for, uh, for some families, things like world schooling provides their kids with such an interesting perspective and, and different experiences. And then sometimes I think, but I also like that my kids have been pretty steeped in community. So, you know, they, we had a pretty, relatively consistent homeschool group for a lot of years and you know uh they have a lot of intergenerational you know we've gone to the same church for 20 years so they know older people and they know you know so I think those things provide little pieces of novelty that don't sound as exciting as um you know traveling the world or even going to like a uh professional sports event or something like that but over time there's all those kind of micro 
experiences that are worked in within each. Um, like I'm just thinking even times that we've gone to church, just thinking, oh, we're going to church and there will be some really cool new instrument or like, and so all those things accumulate, don't they? They don't sound all that exciting, but when you kind of look at them side by side, it is actually quite a bit of, of novelty. And I think that when my kids were little, another thing that I kind of liked to do was narrate not to the point hopefully of being annoying but maybe it maybe it got that way sometimes but just pulling out the interesting things like oh you know um they're planting trees here or look that store has changed that's a new store a new sign i wonder what's in there now um those kinds of things that it just kind of builds the spirit that there's lots of simple things in life that are actually interesting i was thinking this morning my husband went to the hardware store and he had kind of a collection of interesting things he was buying. And I was just thinking like, when my kids were little, that was an outing. That was really exciting, especially for, for one of my guys um, to be walking through the tool section and choosing things and, and talking to the cashier and all those kinds of things. That's just a trip to the hardware store, but it probably would have filled his cup as far as kind of, um, giving him something a little bit new to, to chew on for the day. Um, yeah. And the fact that he was doing that with somebody who was probably being very kind and very interested themselves and probably um, drawing attention to things that might be interesting as well, will all have made that experience even more powerful, won't they? And I think that's another one of our really important roles is about being a model of, curiosity and appreciation and gratitude and all those things help um help children to see the world not as boring but as exciting and I think the more we model that for them then the more um the more easy it is for them to have that kind of attitude as well of curiosity and open to learning and observing what's going around them and appreciating it and 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 yet yeah, gaining pleasure and joy from mundane everyday things as well as big things. Um, Cause you know, obviously it's great to have big things. It's great to go on interesting holidays and it's great to go on days out. And it's like you said, Erin, maybe to a, a professional sports event, but you know, we can't all do those things all the time because we don't have the financial resources or we don't have the time or, or we don't live in the right place or whatever it is. But if we can have that, um, yeah, more of a sense of gratitude and appreciation for what we do have, then I think that um, that helps us to notice novelty as well. And yeah, it makes me think about um, when I'm outside um, with my two, and like over the years, even before we were homeschooling. Um, but maybe even more so once we were homeschooling, I noticed the time we were outside together, it was free, <laughs> um, kind of accessible to us for the most part, whenever we wanted. Um, it was just being together. I didn't have to plan anything. I never, I don't think anyway, I don't think I ever planned any type of structured activity with my guys outside. Not that I know that um, I see that I see other people doing um, these really um, fun scavenger hunts that you take to the forest or the trail to do. So that's wonderful. 
just getting us there and out the door was enough work for me. So I never bothered with the scavenger hunt. I think a couple of times I maybe brought like, we would bring like a bucket and shovel to um, the beach or um, my one guy has a um, metal detector, um, a kid size metal detector. So we would take that. But for the most part, lots of times we could just go outside and I didn't have to have any plans. It was just being outside provided novelty, the nature, the, the creatures that we would see. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So it was them being with me while I was feeling good and happy. Um, but, but that idea that, yeah, I don't, it's not why I did it, but I realized then and now and thinking about it that I want them to know that you can just go outside you can find a trail or you can go to the beach even in the winter you've got these things available to you especially where we live but you know no matter where you are really you can even just go out to your backyard and there's novelty to be found and I found it took pressure off of me too as a home educating parent to um it was kind of like it was me and mother nature, right? I think I hear some people talk about this in, in the homeschool community, right? How mother nature can really, you can really use just your outside time to provide all that goodness. Um, but novelty, I think would be uh, one of those. And I keep going back to that. And I mean, it changes. We certainly spent more time outside um, a couple of years ago and during the pandemic and stuff, but we, we still, especially now the weather's warming up here now. So our days are going so much easier because we can just step outside and just going from inside to outside that little change of environment. I mean, talk about novelty. And um, actually my husband just said to me the other day, the car hasn't moved in like three or four days in a row. Like you have not left. <laughs> and I said, no, because we've just been going out back and it's been kind of filling our day to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, letting them know that, um, that's always available to them. So I hope that they do take that into adulthood with them. Well, and I think too, Ashley, like when you think about it, people are always talking about preparation for adulthood and not that that's not that that's what we're talking about, but in terms of not planning something structured, I mean, as an adult, when you go down to the lake or to the woods, I mean, there's not. There's no scavenger hunt planned for you. <laughs> so it's not a bad thing, I think, to, um, yeah, to, to develop those skills, to, to find your own things to do and to be outside. And, and at the same time, some kids do really enjoy having, you know, clues or different things. It's not that there's anything wrong with that. But, um, yeah, I think we can because I guess I had mentioned earlier, I think earlier in our homeschool journey, I was just very aware that the kids weren't in school. And so what would they be, you know, if you're in school, you've got, well, you've got all the things people talk about as far as sports and bands and all that kind of thing, but you've even got things like, I don't know, pajama day or cake decorating content, like all the, all the other things that they add in. Um, and so I think I was aware of that and I was just trying to make sure we were adding some interesting things. But I think like you, I found that often, like, like often we would take maybe a bunch of beach, you know, shovels and buckets or whatever. And they didn't necessarily even care about them because there were sticks to gather and stones to collect and whatever. So they really, I think it goes back to that idea that they can often, well, they do find their own novelty um, just that change of pace. And I loved what you said 
even be coming from inside to outside. Because I think that's true. Even going outside for a couple minutes and taking a deep breath, um, sometimes it's just certain birds flying by and it's like, oh, and that gives us, you know, we might talk about that for a minute or look that up or even just watch the bird for a minute or two. And it does give your brain that kind of spark of change for a minute that just adds, like just kind of adds to your, to your repertoire or the different things that you kind of have, have milling around. So it really doesn't have to be, to be huge. And I think that one of the things that was helpful to me when I was thinking about it, either, either financially or either just kind of the, maybe the overwhelm sometimes of figuring out what did everybody want to do and how much did we want to plan, you know, looking ahead at a particular season. I used to find if I put um, enough things to kind of anchor us on the calendar, not, I mean, I always like to have quite a bit of what I guess I would call white space on the calendar. I didn't want to be going all the time, but it's amazing by the time you put, I found if I put things on a calendar. So for example, um, I'm just going to say like Canada day would have fireworks and a whole thing. So they, they always like to do that. So I would put that down and maybe there was like a library book club once a week. So we would put that down and I would be amazed by the time I filled stuff in that actually there wasn't a big need to spend a whole bunch of money or, um, and the nice thing about those are they're not highly committed either. Like if somebody's not feeling well, well, we just don't go down to the fireworks. Or if we have to miss the library day, it's not really a big deal. But I did find by the time I plugged those kind of natural things in, there was actually, um, actually felt pretty good. Like I'm like, this, this, this has a good balance of flexibility, but there are some things just to spark our interest and kind of keep us, um, you know, stimulated and learning and, and growing. Uh, you you mentioned Erin I can't remember exactly what you said earlier but you said something about narrating for your children and that kind of made me think about um where we're putting our attention and it, there's th- this kind of um a story that we hear sometimes about how if you ask a kid what they've done at school they'll say I can't remember or <laughs> nothing or or whatever you know uh, like classic answer and I think not that we want to be narrating our children's lives all the time. That's not what I'm thinking of. But the whole thing of us um, reflecting on what we've done with our children, talking about what we've done over the last week and um, what maybe what we've done today when we go to, you know, naturally we do that sometimes when, you know, when we're going to bed, we might talk about what's happened in the day and what's going to happen tomorrow. And those kinds of conversations help to bring attention to the things that we've done that sometimes we kind of sometimes it feels like the days are all the same and then when you actually think about it you realize um you realize some of the interesting things that you've done and I and I know when I first when we first started home educating and people would say to me um you know keep a record of the things that you've done not because you need to show somebody else them not because it's about providing proof but it's about you beginning to think about what your children are learning and um what you're observing from the activities that they're doing and it kind of made me think of um I I did a list um, last year. I'd seen lots of blog posts of the whole hundred things I did in, you know, 2022 or whatever. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And, and in fact, my um, one of my daughters does that 
a lot she will write about her highlights of the year and I thought oh that's cool I'll do that but I'll never be able to get to 100 and once I started (laughs) once I started thinking about it then I looked back at that list and thought wow 2022 was like I'd done so many more things than I thought I had and they weren't all amazing things they weren't all trips out they weren't all you know holidays but they were just really um, some of them were just really happy memories that I had of an afternoon that we'd spent reading in the garden or something really simple that we'd done but actually writing down that list bringing my attention because when I first started writing it yeah I I thought well I'm never you know like I said I'm never going to get to 100 and it did take me a little while to think back and I did need a few prompts like looking at the calendar and looking at the diary and chatting to my children about the things that that they'd been reflecting on from their year and it's like oh yeah I'd forgotten about that but that was actually um so um funnily enough we we recently um I don't know why we came upon it. I don't know if somebody was Googling it or somebody was thinking about it. But why, why, when you're a child, does it seem like life, Christmas takes forever to come? But then as an adult, you're always thinking, oh, gosh, that year went really quick, didn't it? And it seems to speed up. And we read this article about how because you're learning so much when you're small, because so much is new in your life, that there's so many highlights that... um When you get older and things become possibly more mundane in that you're more familiar with all your experiences, maybe you've got a job, so your days look more and more similar, everything blurs into one and it's kind of harder to pick out the individual moments. So when you're thinking about the previous week or the previous year, it can all become a bit of a blur. So this article was basically saying that if you want your life to go slower... (laughs) then you should be building novelty into it and it was about you know planning joyful things and it was that was lovely but it really made me think about the fact that um when we when we came you know we were going to talk about this that maybe that novelty does help to um it improves our memory it gives us something to focus on doesn't it but sometimes we can't always yeah we still need to bring our attention intentionally because we won't necessarily remember those things does that make sense <laughs> it, you know it makes it makes a lot of sense and and that makes me think about the idea of kind of redefining what novelty not re- redefining it for the whole world but defining for ourselves what novelty is because i think um yeah like i'm thinking of uh how kind of tuning in and really being present mm-hmm really changes my idea of what novel novelty is. So there's a, a little shop not too far, like I can walk to it and it's a small grocery store, but it carries like interesting things that you don't find in more than sort of all of the mainstream stores. And it, because it's a small store, there's a very consistent staff. There's uh, two people at the cash and kind of two people that stock the, the shelves. And so I've gotten to know them. Um, and most of the people in the neighborhood have gotten to know them. So that seems like a very mundane thing. You know, it's a small shop. It's the same people working there, but it's interesting because you're never quite sure what they're going to be carrying because they, they get, I'm trying to think what the word is, but if there's, um, like too high a, a number that other stores will take. I think it's called overrides. They'll, they'll get these overrides of things. Um, so it's exciting to kind of go and see what, different little things they might have. And I think somebody mentioned food. 
that's been a fun way for me to introduce like little pieces of novelty to the kids. Cause I'll see something. And I'm like, Oh, that is so cool. And I, you know, so-and-so would like that. And just bringing home that little new kind of chocolate or new kind of, you know, biscuit or whatever is kind of exciting in a, in a fun way. But the other thing that's interesting about it is you're seeing the same people, but I find when we really kind of intentionally tune tune in and become present people are much more interesting than we think they are so the person you know working at the cash register is not just there to run your stuff through and you say oh hi thanks and you run off like I've gotten to know her and so you know she'll tell me interesting things um I've learned a lot about uh you know, the Portuguese food that she cooks. I've learned a lot of different things actually. And so we chat back and forth and it's just kind of that sense of very regular things in our lives. If we can just slow down and be present are actually very rich experiences. So, I mean, we've talked about nature and that's a big thing for me too, is noticing the changes in nature, but even just noticing what's going on in people's lives, right? Like not in a, <laughs> in a nosy way, but just, just taking some interest and some curiosity um, in people has been. And so then I notice that now a lot when I'm talking to people who live a more rushed life, it feels very um, like I kind of get why they, why some people need to go on a lot of vacations because I think they're just getting through their everyday life so they can escape from it. And I think if you can be present in your life, you find those little pieces of novelty and it's actually quite stimulating. And it does give you a lot, lot to talk about. Um, the other thing Haley was talking about, the, the narrating piece, I think too, for me, like making sure I'm not narrating to force teachable moments, but narrating because things actually are interesting, at least to me, they might not be interesting to anybody else. So I don't have to push that on them, but just that kind of reflecting reflecting what I'm seeing, reflecting changes I've noticed. Um, it doesn't have to lead to deep conversation, but it's just that kind of um, spirit of curiosity, maybe, or spirit of kind of um, wonder, maybe, of, of being out and about. Yeah, I can see how, as I'm listening to both of you share now, I can and I hope I'm not just going to repeat what you said, but I really am thinking about this differently in this novelty and how you really have to leave space for it. You have to leave enough space to, because I'm thinking about when you're leading that like more busy, fast paced life, like work, school, everybody going, and the days very much look the same. And then maybe you think, okay, we're missing novelty. Oh my gosh, now I have to fit novelty. And well, how do we have time to fit in this I haven't taken them to the movies in how long, or maybe we need to book a vacation. And I can see how you would just be like, ah, I don't know how to fit novelty in. So when, you know, but if you recognize that maybe that's what's needed. So now I'm thinking it makes a lot of sense where if you just leave space and, and if you're able to, to kind of slow down, um, it's almost easier, I guess, to find those, the novelty will just happen. I guess that's what we've realized is that even if we don't plan for for it although of course sometimes we do um it it will happen and you'll notice it because there's enough time and space for it and I think what you were talking about because I do that and Aaron you see I'll share in our um 
unschooling together communities, this, I make notes, although I've slowed down recently with doing it, but for a long time and most of the time I record what we do and I don't have to, I don't have, I don't use it for anything. I, and I never hardly ever look back on it, which is interesting to me, but I just jot down quickly most days, some of the things that we did and it always surprises me how much we did. And that's one reason why I do it to, to remind myself that we're actually doing more than enough. Um, all of us, but it also, I think allows me to, um, like, how do I explain it? I think I'm just trying to think of another example of how novelty can actually be really easy and, and simple. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Like what you guys are saying, like puzzles, for example. So if I, you know, if I haven't jotted down that we've had a puzzle out, you know, cause a lot of the things, what I write down is kind of maybe what we've strewed, although sometimes it's just stuff that we've done too. But if we haven't done um, puzzles in three months and I pull out a puzzle that maybe not, and maybe it won't feel novel to them, but often it does and someone will get into it. And I don't think I would have thought that way before that a simple puzzle could provide a little bit of novelty in someone's day. But I like just listening to you guys share about it, this idea that it can be simple, I guess, and it doesn't have to be, um, it, it can be, but it doesn't have to be something that costs a lot of money or that takes a lot of planning, um, that there's other ways to have that, that experience, experience. And then I really like how you've shared, uh, Haley, about how, um, having those experiences of novelty, how it benefits each of us. So there's definitely um, value in it. Well, and that, you know, I'm thinking of that classic idea that you take, you know, you open the toy box or the shelf and there's toys or games that you and the kids haven't seen for a year or a few months and it feels new again. That's like, oh, remember this game and and maybe even more interesting than the first time because it's almost like it's almost like there's a memory of the excitement of of getting it or of trying it. And now there's kind of the anticipation of, of building on that. So it's almost kind of like a, a bit of extra novelty I find here when they see something that we haven't had for a while, it's it's almost like a two, it's almost like a double excitement. Um, the other thing is when we take our board games or card games, the same ones we have here, but we do them at a grandparent's house or we do them at a picnic table when we're camping or at a hotel or something like that. It's again, it's just, a, it's a different environment. So it's just switching it up a little bit. We don't necessarily need to buy new games you know, to go visit cousins or go camping or whatever. It's there's something about, playing something in a new environment that's kind of yeah kind of fun too um and then I think so much of the, the theme for me in talking about this is that continued tuning in to our kids which you you had mentioned Ashley near the beginning whether it's you know the baby example you gave Haley around you know, do we as humans kind of have this inbuilt ability to just tune out when we've had enough, which I think we do. Um, or even me coming back from that trip thinking, okay, check, we're, we're good. And actually they were excited to do more stuff again. So it, again, it's that tuning in and um, trusting that, trusting that people know what their own systems need. Um and that we can support them to figure that out if 
if it's not quite connecting somehow. Yeah, between our family rhythm and what, what they're needing. Or, you know, I think boredom, I just want to say something about boredom because boredom is an interesting thing because I hear people say some pretty harsh things about boredom sometimes. Um, I've been at people's homes where they have a big thing on their fridge. No, I am not bored. Or it'll be like things to do if I'm bored, but it's kind of feels a little bit punitive. Um, it, it's still kind of putting down the idea that the child, like, why would you be bored? Um, or there's the classic, don't tell me you're bored or I'll give you something to do kind of thing. But I think for some kids, um, you know, my son that I was talking about really benefiting from the extroverted social interaction, but then also getting the sensory overload, I started to realize that boredom was actually, I want to say almost painful for him. And it, it took me a while to figure that out because on a physical level, he was very sensory defensive, but I started to realize that intellectually he craved a lot. Um, and it was a bit harder to, to meet those, those needs. And he did get bored quite easily. Um, and so that fear that, well, if we don't let kids get bored, they'll never, um, they'll never develop the skills, I guess, is, is the concern, right. To, I mean, I think what people usually say is entertain themselves. I like to think of it more as like being comfortable in your own company, you know, to be able to sit with yourself and be able to, um, yeah, just kind of be comfortable with yourself. And what I've seen for him is that he has developed strategies for himself and for him, he's just very busy, but he likes to be busy. It makes everybody else's head spin a little bit, but he, you know, he, he has created a life for himself that he usually has something, something to do. And that feels comfortable for him. Um, so yeah, the boredom thing is interesting because I, I don't think it's, I just don't think it's that black and white. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing that up, Erin, because I've been thinking about that pretty recently. Um, the boredom piece and I mean, I'll go off the top of my head here, I guess, a little bit to share with my eldest, um, which I think I shared a little bit with with you, Erin, not long ago. Um, I had I had listened to something and I got the idea in my head that, yeah, our kids were needing us too much and they needed to remember or practice how to be more independent, I guess, was the the message I um was receiving or interpreting that way. And I thought, you know, the fear creeps in. I thought, oh no, I'm not letting them get bored enough. They don't know what to do when, and I, I mean, I'm not busy entertaining them all day, but um, yeah, I had, I kind of had a few days there where I thought "Mm, maybe that's something I'm not giving enough space for, for them to be bored. And they don't know what to do because they used to do a little bit more on their own, I think. And eventually I thought, I don't know, how my mind got to this point, but I, I kind of gave my head a shake and I thought, no, actually, I don't think that that's what's going on. Cause I went back to behavior as communication. And if, and it wasn't even just behavior. My, my eldest was saying, I'm bored. I like, he needed something. He, he was expressing a need and he maybe didn't know what it was, but he's my one who is typically on the move, likes to be doing something, um, really likes to be really likes to engage with other people 
of any age, whether it's his younger brother, whether it's me, whether it's his dad, whether it's another family member or a friend online really likes to be engaging with people. So when someone wasn't available, you know, for a certain stretch of time, he started craving that. Um, so yeah, I find as a parent and especially maybe as a home educating parent, you can get those messages and you just, it doesn't help you, um, not worry. It, it can kind of, I guess, spark a little bit of a worry, especially when it's like that message that you have heard so much. Like I remember hearing it when I was growing up, you shouldn't be bored. There's so many things that you could be doing. Um, but I don't think, yeah, it's not that simple. It's not always that, you know, um, and like you said, um, and what I started thinking was when our kids are young, they're kind of um, like, even though I try to give my kids lots of like freedom and stuff, they're still kind of restricted on what they can go do. Um, like he's not going to just go take himself somewhere away from us. Whereas like you were saying with your son, Aaron, like as he got older, you've seen how he has structured his life. And when he had, you know, more freedom and more, the world was more accessible to him to go do on his own. You saw him go do that and how he filled his time. And so I think about my eldest now and I, you know, that's probably what he'll do, um, which is what I want him to do. So he'll start meeting his needs in that way. Um, so I think I need to worry less about, you know, he doesn't know what to do with his time. And maybe he does actually know what he needs to do with his time. It's just, he kind of still needs our help and our support in having those needs met during that time. I don't know if that made sense. <laughs> that last you know, little bit there, but I hope it did. It made, it made a ton of sense. I never thought about it that way. Um, but, but now that I'm thinking about it, you're right. As as my son got older and had the opportunity to do things like get his driver's license, work, those kinds of pieces, um, yeah, he just took advantage of all of those things. And and he, you know, I can remember finding um, little like post-it notes um, down by the computer when he was about 11, uh, jobs for 11-year-olds. And, you know, he he would be, he was so frustrated that, I can't remember what the age is in our, I don't think you have to be 14 or 15 or something to have certain types of jobs. And he was just so, um, I would say he felt like caged in by, not by us, but just by the limits of being a child, right? Like, so I think some kids, yeah, they struggle a little bit more with, with not being able to just kind of push forward and have that autonomy. So that was a big, a big um, change for him. I would actually say the other thing that was um, really a change for us was was video was the opportunity to have a video game system because he had something that he could have agency over and he could create and he could. Um, there was just a level of decision making in those worlds that, unfortunately, in <laughs> in our house or in our country or whatever, we weren't quite quite there yet so I think that's interesting to think about the fact that we are also raising children in um, a society that kind of doesn't let you know you you can't just let your kid run all over the place <laughs> without people it's it's kind of it's kind of a catch-22 in a way we you know there are some limits even like culturally to what is considered okay as far as freedoms to let your kids be about I think you said so many interesting things there, Ashley. And I've definitely felt the same as you thinking, oh, no, um, you know, at different points thinking, oh, no, so and so, yeah, doesn't have the capacity to 
to think up their own activities and maybe they're getting too reliant. But also, I think as a home edding parent, there's also that fear that other people, if your child is bored, other people are going to think, well, you're not providing enough. You should be doing more. <laughs> and, and as you so rightly pointed out earlier, Ashley, about the, the enormous pressure that people can feel to provide novelty. Um, and so I think there's there's two sides to that coin, isn't there? There's two things that we can worry about. But one thing that really helped me um, was when I when I read an article, I don't know, years ago about boredom. And somebody said um, that when a child tells you they're bored, then often it's yeah, it's about them expressing an emotion that they don't have the words for. So like you guys have been saying, yeah, it might be that they need more social interaction or they might need more cuddles or they might need um yeah, they, they might need more time outside. There might be, you know, different things that are happening that it doesn't mean that, yeah, that they're not capable of entertaining themselves. And it doesn't mean that we're not providing enough. <laughs> and, 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 and obviously that, you know, our job is to be a bit of a detective um, and, you know, get curious and help them to, to help you know be with them rather than you know that thing about uh, one of you mentioned it I can't remember which one it was about um or oh, if you're bored I'll give you something to do <laughs> that kind of threatening kind of um you know maybe um children might not want to say that they're bored because they think they're going to get some really awful chore that nobody else wants to do and whereas we actually want our children to be able to come to us and say that they're feeling a bit off but they don't know why they're feeling a bit off and then you know, and then we're able to give them hopefully a bit of, um, you know, a bit of time, attention, maybe the space for them to explore, you know, and we can give our thoughts. Well, I'm wondering, you know, I've noticed and see, you know, whatever the things are that we might have noticed or that we might be thinking to help them. Yeah, to listen in a bit more to their own body. And I think that is one of the really beautiful, beautiful things about having time and space with home education for our kids to really get to know themselves and one of the things I was thinking about as well in terms of novelty and whether our children might need more novelty or less novelty is that for me because we've got four children and as they've got older I've really seen not only if they become more um yeah able to go inside and listen to what their body's telling them or to how they're feeling but also they're quite well attuned to each other and and I see them not all the time, obviously, but sometimes, you know, um, either talking to me or talking to their sibling about how they feel they, they've observed and they think maybe, you know, so and so would benefit from this or they'll go to that person and say, you know, I'm wondering if, you know, you want to do this with me because it seems that like you might be feeling a bit like you need more company or or whatever or or they'll they'll have some interesting puzzle that they think their other you know sibling would enjoy and I think that's a really um you know that's been something definitely that I've noticed that they they are thinking about you know how they can support each other as well as becoming more aware of of their own needs they're thinking about you know each other's needs as well which comes with time doesn't it and experience and no it it does and I'm aware of, I'm aware of the time but I so I just have one more thing and then you know feel free if you have anything else to 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 pop in 
Um, and I think too, this idea. So when I'm describing, you know, my son having developed these, what I would call strategies for, um, you know, finding stimulation and filling his time in ways that make sense for him. I think sometimes when we're talking about um, homeschooling or, you know, unschooling, there's a tendency to want to jump to a, and they live happily ever after thing. Like, don't worry, it's all turned out this way. And so I just want to say to, to that end as well, so many things have turned out to be uh, a matter of trust and a matter of relief. But I, I do find that no matter the age, sometimes we do need support um, with that rhythm in our lives, like myself included. So I just want to say that, that I think kind of to what you're saying, Haley, we can support one another. It doesn't mean that each of my kids as they've gotten older, just, you know, perfectly manages the amount of novelty that they need in their life for their rhythm. Because I think it's ongoing. Like I think about it for myself all the time. Have, am I overloaded? Would I like to take more on? Am I interested in this? Have I stopped being interested in this? And so I do think it's just, it's, it's not that checkbox thing, is it? It's, it's the, it's, it's continually um, examining it for ourselves and being open to supporting one another. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we're we're never done, are we? Like our, you know, our children will never be done, and we'll never be done. We're, you know, we're going to keep learning and growing. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Anything else um, that either of you have, or are we? I mean, we could go on. <laughs> it's such a good one, but I think that was wonderful. I know I've learned a lot. I, this was really helpful for me. So thank you to both of you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's an interesting topic, Erin. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Thanks. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. And you. Bye. And this ends our conversation today. We hope you found it interesting and maybe helpful. If you'd like to connect further or see additional content, Haley can be found on the web and on Instagram at Taking a Kinder Path. I, Erin, can be found at Everlearning. And Ashley can be found on Instagram at Ashley as Mama and Storytime Shelves. We'd be very grateful if you'd share this conversation with anyone you think might appreciate it. Thank you for your time today.